Imagine a promise, a sure word of prophecy that is so colossally huge that it swallows death itself in a single gulp. Imagine a promise, a sure word of prophecy that is so colossally huge that it fills the believer's life with joyous expectation, regardless of how dire a situation may be. Imagine a promise, a sure word of prophecy that is so colossally huge that promises a place, a paradise, the new heaven and new earth, where there is no death, no tears, nor sorrow, nor crying, and no more pain. Imagine a promise, a sure word of prophecy, that is so colossally huge, where the born-again live in peace and perfect harmony with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and all the hosts of heaven for all of eternity. When we mix God's promises with faith, all things are possible. Consider these promises, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-one through 55. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Luke 20, verse 36. Neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believe, liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Revelation 21, 1 through 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away." And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again? Jesus uses the term born again, and it means exactly what it says, born a second time. This time of the Spirit of God, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Today, if you will follow me in a simple prompt, everything will change for you. You will become a new creature. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be pristine clean. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken, every single one. You will be completely free. Your soul is in your very own hand. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God said, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God said, Luke seventeen twenty and 21, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Man said, Neither God nor his Bible are part of my life. I've got things to do. I'm going to get boozed up and doped up and attend the LGBTQ123 rally and voice my support. I need to sandwich all of that around my appointments with my psychologist, of course. Who needs God? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,129 that will once again contend victoriously for the faith. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. May God's face shine upon you and your house. Thank you for your visit. This is week three in the God Said, Man Said series, Cosmology's Search for Extraterrestrials Continues. In feature one, we made five salient points. One, there is life in outer space. Two, there are extraterrestrials here upon the earth, multitudes of them. Number three, there is then the ultimate extraterrestrial. Four, extraterrestrials can be engaged in conversation. And number five, special communicating tools have been made available. In feature two of this series, you'll find the following excerpt. Let's revisit the Fermi Paradox. The following paragraphs are from the quarterly number four, 2016 issue of Creation Magazine. The feature was written by Gary Bates, CEO of Creation Ministries International, and is titled The Fermi Paradox, and with a subhead, If Evolution Really Happened All Over Our Universe, Where Is Everybody? Bates writes, In the 1950s, Nobel Prize winner and pioneer of atomic energy, Enrico Fermi, while working at Los Alamos Nuclear Facility in New Mexico, raised some straightforward forward questions. Fermi says, Are we the only technologically advanced civilization in the universe? And if we are not, then where are they? 
Why haven't we seen any traces of extraterrestrial life, such as probes or transmissions? Why haven't we found their artifacts on the Earth or in our solar system? End of quote. The following sentences are from the volume 39, number 2, 2017 feature of Creation Magazine, under the title, Otherworldly Opinions. The magazine, Scientific American, has published a list of answers from various scientists to what it has labeled 20 big questions about the future of humanity. It is no surprise that only evolutionary options are offered and that the hope for humanity is envisioned to be somewhere out in the galaxy. British cosmologist and astrophysicist Martin Rees, in addressing a question about a hope for humanity beyond Earth, gave this frank assessment. I think it's a dangerous delusion to envision mass migration from Earth. There's nowhere else in the solar system that's as comfortable as even the top of Everest or the South Pole. We must address the world's problems here, end of quote. Today's cosmologists and astrophysicists have turned their best mechanized ears and eyes into outer space, searching for life for decades, but failure is all they have to show for their highly funded efforts. The Bible is abundantly clear, however, the heavens are full of life. The biblically unlearned are simply listening and looking in all the wrong places. There is dazzling life in outer space, but not of the human kind. God and his Christ and his cherubim, seraphim, angels, and a host of celestial creatures dwell in the heavens. They are the extraterrestrials carnal man seeks, but they can only be spiritually discerned unless the heavenly choose otherwise. In feature two, we address Fermi's request for artifacts. Speaking of the extraterrestrials, theorists in vision, Fermi asked, why haven't we found their artifacts on Earth or in our solar system? The Oxford Dictionary defines artifacts as a product of prehistoric or aboriginal workmanship as distinguished from a similar object naturally produced. The following paragraph is from last week's feature, Cosmology's Search for Extraterrestrials Continues. The God of all extraterrestrials and of all creation, authored a book called the Holy Bible, comprised of 66 independent books, which were authored by God and penned by his holy men. This glorious book is the artifact supreme. The answers to all of life's questions are written on its inerrant pages. The answers to where we come from, why we are here, and where we are going after this life are clearly defined. The record of how God created the heaven and the earth, along with its marvelous life forms, has been noted. It's a literal owner's manual. It includes directions on how to eat, to work, and to stay healthy, instructions on how to socially interact, to live, and even to gain immortality in Christ Jesus are penned on its pages. This book has been challenged and maligned by Satan and his champions for over 6,000 years, even untold millions of times, yet it stands undefeated, suffering not a scratch or even a mild abrasion. Looking for an artifact of extraterrestrial involvement? 
The Holy Bible reigns supreme. It was authored by the God and creator of all. End of quote. Only God's children can understand this Bible. It's truly a family Bible. Even better, this glorious artifact even comes with an onboard tutor, the Holy Ghost, who leads and guides in all truth, John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Last week's feature also listed several other examples from the Holy Bible, the Artifact Supreme. Hundreds of these examples can be found in God's Word. This is week three, and we will be discussing this shocking fact. There are extraterrestrials here on the earth right now. Over the past couple of decades, and as man's search into the science of quantum mechanics has progressed, Scientists now theorize that there is a fourth dimension, of course we live in three, and that in this fourth dimension lives an invisible parallel universe or universes that are separated from our three-dimensional universe by the thinnest of membranes. Don't they always end up here? Ephesians declares four dimensions in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Don't they always end up here? Jesus tells it all in Luke 17, 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. What they seek, we have already found the invisible kingdom of God. Extraterrestrials are all over the earth and dwell in the invisible realm, which we can call the fourth dimension or the spirit realm. There are extraterrestrials, and they are everywhere, believe me. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature. Open God's gates of plenty. Jacob leads the way. There is a physical realm and a spiritual realm, and there are rules of engagement that each must observe. The spiritual realm has a host of players, good and evil. The two camps have two leaders, God's Holy Ghost, whose purpose is to lift up Jesus Christ and minister to the faithful, leads the camp of the saints. Satan, whose purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, heads up the camp of the lost. The Holy Ghost, who dwells in the spirit-filled, also heads up God's holy angels on the earth. Angels are spirits, Hebrews 1, 7. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Satan heads up the fallen angels, Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The Holy Ghost seeks out those that are lost and draws them to Christ. Satan strives to keep the lost bound by the shackles of sin and death. 
A war for the souls of men is engaged, and each of us are central to it. The God said, man said feature, closed Satan's secret door, reports the following. God said angels. There are over 300 references to angels, good and evil, in the word of God. God's angels are mighty servants and power brokers of the Lord Jehovah. The first occurrence of good angelic-like beings in the Bible is found in Genesis 3.24, and that occurrence was not good. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Angelic labors here on the earth are multifaceted. They serve as holy watchers and messengers, Daniel chapter 4, 13 and 14. They serve as protectors of God's children, Psalms 34, verse 7. They also serve as ministers of support to children of God, Hebrews chapter 1, 13 and 14. They battle against the enemies of the cross of Christ in a multitude of ways. Adam believed in angels. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob believed in angels, and so did Moses, Joshua, Samson, David, Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, and the entirety of the New Testament apostles and disciples. Jesus Christ believes in angels, and so does God. Angels have been cited hundreds of thousands of times, and that is not even an exaggeration. Angels have been cited by many people of great notoriety, and there have been occurrences where more than one individual has experienced the same angelic event. Many stories of angels happen in times of war. This should come as no surprise. James 5.16 reads, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer is truly prayed in times of danger and trouble. Men in battle and their families draw close to God and seek his face diligently. So it should come as no surprise that angels are well documented in such times. It's well known in history that our founding fathers were Christian men. The stories of George Washington on his knees in Valley Forge are also well known. Osterhaus Publishing House uh, recounted a story titled George Washington's Vision which was left to us by a 99-year-old man named Anthony Sherman on July 4, 1859, shortly uh, before the Civil War. Sherman served under George Washington during the Revolutionary War. He recounts the following statements from Washington. Washington, gazing upon his companion with that strange look of dignity that he alone could command, said to the latter, I do not know whether it is due to the anxiety of my mind or what, but this afternoon, as I was preparing a dispatch, something seemed to disturb me. Looking up, I beheld, standing opposite me, a singularly beautiful being. So astonished was I, for I had given strict orders not to be disturbed, that it was some moments before I found language to inquire the cause of the visit. A second, third, and even a fourth time, that I repeat my question, but receive no answer from my mysterious visitor except a slight raising of the eyes. By the time I felt strange sensations uh, spreading through me, and I would have risen, but the riveted gaze of the being before me rendered volition impossible. I essayed once more to speak, but my tongue had become useless, as though it had become paralyzed. 
A new influence, mysterious, potent, irresistible, took possession. All I could do was gaze steadily, vacantly, at my unknown visitor. Gradually, the surrounding atmosphere seemed to become filled with sensations and grew luminous. Everything about me seemed to rarefy, including the mysterious visitor. I began to feel as one dying, or rather to experience the sensations which I have sometimes imagined accompanied delusion. I did not think. I did not reason. I did not move. All were alike impossible. I was only conscious of gazing fixedly, vacantly, at my companion. Presently, I heard a voice saying, Son of the Republic, look and learn. George Washington looked and listened as the angel of God laid out the future of America, which was at the time a fledgling, vulnerable republic, end of quote. If the credibility of the invisible causes your eyebrows to raise, please note that the universe's most powerful forces are invisible to the naked eye. This includes such forces as energy, wind, gravity, electromagnetic fields, the invisible power that holds all things together that physicists call the strong force, DNA, and ultimately the creator God and his angelic host. The proof of the invisible is discovered in the effects they produce. It should also be noted that the invisible angels and the invisible God can be seen and have been seen at their time and choosing. Contact with extraterrestrials begins at creation. The book of Hebrews tells us that God, the supreme extraterrestrial, created all things by his Son, Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, "...hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds." God literally breathes up our grandfather Adam's nose, and he becomes a living soul. Genesis 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Consider this short paragraph from the June 2022 issue of Scientific American from the article Long Distance Call with the subhead an updated proposal of beaming a message to the stars. Many insist that the potential rewards of active SETI far outweigh the risk. First contact would be one of the most momentous occasions in the history of our species, the argument goes. And if we just wait around for someone to call us, it may never happen. End of quote. A sentence from the Scientific American article just quoted bears repeating, First contact would be one of the most momentous occasions in the history of our species. This is certainly true, but their blindness is glaring. Extraterrestrial contact has been evident from the very beginning, and the contact of all contacts in regard to fallen men is displayed in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son— that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This mighty Jesus Christ, Son of Man and only begotten Son of God, bridges the gap between fallen man and the Father. He is called the Mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one Mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 
this crucified Lamb of God purchased from Satan's dark dungeons all that will call upon his name. This King of glory, full of grace and truth, sits in his throne on the right hand of the Father. Remember, they always end up here. Let's pull a few things together. Those who call upon this Christ of Calvary experience the unmatchable marvel of born again, which means born a second time, this time of the invisible Spirit of God. At this momentous place of supernatural, extraterrestrial contact, we pass through the thinnest of membranes, excuse me, and we enter into the fourth dimension, if you will, the parallel universe, where we discover the invisible, eternal, and all-consequential kingdom of God. When the concept of born again is first revealed to him in John chapter 3, Nicodemus grapples with the whole idea of a new birth and the invisible kingdom. The account is recorded in John 3, verses 1 through 8. Pay attention now. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. In order to enter into the invisible, and fully spiritual kingdom of God, what theorists call a parallel universe. One must be born again of the Spirit of God. At this place, we pass through the thinnest of membranes and dwell in this marvelous place. Only those born a second time can dwell in the very kingdom of God. What science struggles to find, we, the sons and daughters of God, enjoy on a very daily basis. Hallelujah, saints! We are there. God said, Genesis 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God said, Luke seventeen twenty and 21, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Man said, Neither God nor his Bible are part of my life. I got things to do. I'm going to get boozed up and doped up and attend the LGBTQ123 rally and voice my support. Now, I need to sandwich all that around my appointments with my psychologist, of course. 
Who needs God? Now you have the record.